Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday Drive, another nice-looking, it's a little warm, but, I mean, hey, it, it is uh, great weather. Hope everybody doing well on this Thursday. It's Bill. No Dan today. He is taking part in, I don't know if he's emceeing the whole thing, but he is, uh, he is at a preseason tip-off banquet down in, a basketball banquet down in Troy, so... Uh, yeah, I had had a couple of folks asking me today as he got his stand-up routine ready, and I said he always has a stand-up routine ready, whether whether he's called for it or not. So uh, I'm sure Dan will do just fine. He will be back tomorrow. He said he might call in. Don't count on it. That's uh, when he says might. That usually that that, uh, that that's no guarantee. But I mean, we're we should be fine because I don't have it solo. Well, first of all, I mean Drew's always here at the controls. But it's Thursday. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer is here in the studio. Ferg, how you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? I'm, I'm, I think I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. Dan, Dan, Dan had us a little worried yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To tell you the mm-hmm. story about, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. But, I mean, I don't feel any worse today than I did yesterday. So, there hopefully hopefully we're all doing fine. That was why we laughed when somebody called in yesterday and I, he said, Hope you're doing fine, and I said yes. Yeah. So do we. Yeah, we, we do hope. We do hope. That, <laughs> but yeah, sure. yeah. Everything everything seems to be going well. Uh, we're we're closing in very quickly on the start of basketball season, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we're we're now into the second half of football season. Auburn has that really really tough, maybe a little tougher than some folks thought, four game stretch behind them. Still looking for their first conference win, yep. and 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 a game that I think is perhaps the swing game of the season coming up for Auburn Saturday against Mississippi State. Absolutely. Uh, it is a swing game for sure. Um, I ran the numbers this week. SP Plus has it. Uh, Auburn's chances of making a bowl game becoming bowl eligible, 78% with a win, less than 40% if they if they lose. It's possible, but you'd be asking them to go back-to-back road. You have to go get back-to-back road wins against Vanderbilt and Arkansas you know, to kind of get that, unless you make sure. the magic well, happen I mean, in the Iron Bowl. And, and if you lose, you've lost five straight ball games. And what's the team's yep. you know thought process? What's their psyche yeah. heading into two straight road games? I mean, yeah. you feel like if they can get a win and get some confidence mm-hmm. – they'll be in much better shape to go sure. on the road for the next two weeks. Absolutely. And the two teams they are playing are, are teams that have struggled. Right. Um, I believe right now uh, the combined SEC record of Arkansas, uh, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State is 1-12. And the and only, then, the yeah. only win is so, a 7-3 so, to three win. And Auburn's got the round robin with them, so those four teams are 1-16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the only one a win and the only head-to-head matchup so far yeah it's 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 a crazy it's it's a crazy kind of potential uh here for Auburn but you know it's I I think three and four if you would have saw if you would have come out at the beginning of the season the preseason we all said hey this four game stretch is going to be tough for Auburn you'd love to win one if you win two you're in great you're in great position 
but zero was definitely possible and, and Auburn wasn't favored in any of those games they weren't expected to be favored in any of those games at any point in the year or in the preseason so um but I mean you have lost your last two games or two of your last three games your last two home games to two of the top 12 teams in the country uh the number one team the number 12 team by a touchdown each mm-hmm. now the feeling of Saturday in the fourth quarter in Jordan Hare was not you know it, no it not a seven point feel uh-huh. but it was but it was it was a seven point game at the end like that's that was the crazy thing about it is that Auburn feels like they could have been a few plays away from beating Georgia. They could feel like they could be a few plays away from beating Ole Miss. So, yes, you're three and four, and your record is your record. But this isn't a team – you know, Auburn had a four-game losing streak last year in SEC play, uh, and that team it didn't even feel nearly the same oh, a, no, a, no, as not, it does right close. now. And it's not even just – I don't think it's even just like, hey – you've got year one of a, of a coach versus, you know, what was the end of a very unpopular tenure. Mm-hmm. I don't even think And it was that. an obvious end, yeah. I don't even think it's that. I think Auburn, as a team, is, has played better uh, in the, in, during that stretch. But, you know, you need to take, take those hard work into wins. Outside of a couple of quarters against LSU, I think this Auburn team has played really, really hard. And, um, you know, has, has – you just – hope if you're Auburn that all that hard work and all that belief can turn to actual wins right um, there needs to be yes they need to get something for all the work they put in yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. otherwise you you have you can run into a tendency of you know feeling really down and I know you know I know Vanderbilt's not great but like Vanderbilt's fully capable of beating SEC teams that are struggling right. they've done it the last few years um and then you know state this week state matchup wise is a fascinating matchup but Auburn's even with a four-game losing streak, Auburn is a touchdown favorite for a reason. It's not just, it's not just, hey, you're at home. You, they only get, they usually only give you about three, three, three points mm-hmm. for that. I mean, this is Auburn. You know, Auburn looks and plays has been playing like a better football team here in the last month. They got to make it. They got to make it count. Uh, you know, on Saturday in Jordan Hare, Auburn sort of owes Mississippi State. I mean, yeah. State has beaten Auburn the last two times in just that crushing game, ways. That, yeah. that that game two years ago. Oh yeah. You know, we were talking about this yesterday, just before half of the Mississippi State game two years ago. Auburn fans felt like. Man, things are really going well. Mm-hmm. You just come off that old Miss win. You're ranked in the top 15. You're up 28 to three, yep. and you're thinking, "Man, we're rolling. This team, this team's got a chance to really have a special season." And then beginning of the end. Oh yeah, the touchdown before the half, and every other possession, you know, was Will Rogers up and down the field touchdown. Yeah, and and then last year. A More very, of the same. Very emotional <laughs> game, and you had a chance to come back and win. And, oh, and, yeah. And you didn't, and you, you fell short in overtime. But, yeah, I mean, I think the, the one thing I think can be some solace for some Auburn friends, not only do we not know if Will Rogers is going to play on Saturday, and Will Rogers has torched Auburn his, oh, it, he since has. he's played him. Um, this is not the same Mississippi State team or offense. No, no, it's not. I mean, Will, you look at Will's numbers this year when he's been healthy, yeah. and they've been okay. They've been okay, not – you know they're they're not even really running the air raid anymore no. and and we talked about that on our podcast that came out this morning it's like the the will rogers or i'm sorry the mike leach air raid it's hard to keep running the the mike leach air raid because only mike leach ran the mike leach well, air raid you know you, you see you have seen auburn fans have seen can i mean when you try to go from that to a power running yeah type game i mean 
it generally takes a couple of years before you have the kind of players that yeah. it takes to be able to do that. And the and the other guy who's a big factor for them, Woody Marks. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no guarantee that he boy he sure he. I was amazed he kept going back into the game last week against Arkansas. Yeah. Didn't have great numbers, but a gutty, gutty player who is, I mean, he is their main guy yeah. offensively. Yeah, and he's he, he hasn't had last few weeks and had great numbers overall. Um, he's just kind of had to take a lot of hits, basically. Oh, man, he, he could hardly going. walk, it appeared, a few times last week. It's this is a team where, I mean, I think when you're, if you're Auburn, going back to the vibes of the fan base and all, it's a, 2.30 game, um, those aren't usually as charged up, obviously, as, as well, the night games. It's a 2.30 non-CBS yeah. game against another team that's struggling. I mean. But I think Auburn really needs to take advantage of the fact this is in Jordan Harris. You're right about that. And, 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 and play to that crowd. I think Auburn's defense matches up fairly well against this, against this uh, Mississippi mm-hmm. State offense, especially if Mike Wright's going to play in this game. Uh, I think Auburn has done a pretty good job. I mean, honestly, outside of the, the couple of quarters, um, you know, maybe a little bit more than that against LSU, I thought Auburn, I think Auburn's defense has played pretty well this year. I think they have. I mean, they've worn not, down a few times, but yeah. you shouldn't be as concerned. Mississippi State hasn't shown the quick strike capability. No. They haven't been able to just take the ball and own it how about, for how, a long time. How about this? Uh, Mississippi State has run the fourth fewest plays of any team in the country this year. This that is, is not, crazy. This is not the They're usually in the fast. top five nationally yeah. in running plays. Yeah, and, and they're not that this year, which lends itself to, I'm sure we'll talk about this throughout the show today, Auburn's offense. And we talk about tempo and quick game and doing some of the stuff that Auburn has kind of worked with the last few weeks to some success. This Mississippi State defense is also kind of the team, I think, that it lends itself well to that. I agree. State is very good uh, at getting to the quarterback, so you don't want to hold on to the ball too long with these guys. They, they know how to create pressure. Zach Arnett is very smart and innovative and in dialing up ways to, to, to get to the quarterback, and they've got a pretty good run defense as well. Not you, elite. You've seen their, their, their pass completion defense? Yes, that's the oh, one. And my. they've been playing really soft in coverage. Yeah. Here recently, um, everyone has been able to complete eight. So if you're if you're allowing receivers to be open, that should be a huge yeah. benefit for Auburn because that's been a big problem, getting guys open. And yeah, you're not in a situation if you're Auburn where you want to hold on to the ball and drop back and because State's going to get after you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, like I said, their run defense is pretty good. Haven't allowed a 200 yard game this year. Not elite, but good. A, right. a, a good run defense. Um, so yeah, I think I, matchup wise, it's pretty favorable for Auburn, and you've just gone through four weeks where it never really seemed favorable for Auburn. Either you were playing a team that was much more talented than you, especially in the trenches, or in the case of LSU and Ole Miss these last two weeks, just teams that just have it together more on offense oh, I, right now. I, I thought the matchups the last two weeks were were worse than the first two. A and M and Georgia, I thought yeah. actually, and Georgia before, I mean A and M before Max Johnson came in, I thought. Those that was a better matchup, and then just the way Georgia plays mm-hmm. is a better matchup. LSU and Ole Miss, nope. not good matchups, not for a lot of teams. No, not for a lot of teams. And I think Auburn will be pretty. I mean, obviously, you give up you give up twenty eight points. You're not saying it was a dominant defensive performance. There was a stretch there where Auburn played was as well on defense, six or seven straight. Yeah, possessions with, without and any that, points. And that's the thing about this team that I think defensively, <laughs> you won't look at them in a yards per play perspective and say, oh, this is a great defense. But they do a really good job of just stringing together stops. Mm-hmm. And when they get hit, 
you know, when they give when they give up so last week against Ole Miss, they gave up touchdowns on the first two drives. You can look at it and say, oh, here we go again. And they rallied from there. And I think they've done a really good job this year of just stringing together and buying time for that offense to do something. Mm-hmm. It's just time for the offense to finally do it. Um, I will say State is not necessary. State is not an easy defense to play against. No. But it, it's not a terrible matchup for Auburn if they can do some of the stuff we've seen them do this they're, year. They're not going to physically overpower you. No. I mean this this isn't a state team up front that ha- it, you know we were talking about this uh, well, they've had some they've, they've had oh, some gosh. where they yeah yeah there's not huge a huge there's monsters. not a there's not a Montez Sweat there's not a not a Fletcher Cox there's not a you know a Chris Jones right. anybody like that but they're good and sure. they're, and they're very good at get I think they're 26 in the country this year no they're top 25 in sacks per game like they get to the quarterback um, but I mean, if they ain't if they ain't getting to the quarterback, they're giving up they're giving up some numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think these quick passing games, you look at it. I think Spencer Rattler had ninety percent of his completion, ninety percent completion. There was four straight him. games where it was like seventy, Western, eighty, eighty-eight. Western Michigan 90. put up a lot of yards with on their them. third string quarterback. Yeah, not. I mean, for Auburn, it's just you can look at it and see, hey, this is an opportunity to do something with it. And and I think. You know, this is my mailbag tomorrow talks a lot about this because people watch that last drive against Ole Miss and say, hey, can you do some more of that? And I would go back to the drive before that as well. Mm -hmm. There were some good plays on that drive before the interception. The LSU, one of the one of the later drives against LSU where they got down the field um, before, I think it was the Ribey touchdown pass, but it was set up by that big drive that that go all all the way back to the Cal game really at the end of the game. Yeah. You look at it and it's a lot of spread it out play play in space and Mm -hmm. i know auburn doesn't have the outside receivers this year they have not played to that level where you feel like you know you can spread it out and kind of throw it all over the yard but i think you can get creative with some of those guys they have started like i think on that last drive against Ole miss you saw caleb burton in there a decent bit you saw jay fair and caleb burton on the field Mm -hmm. at the same time you saw rivaldo fairweather lined up out wide do some of that mix and match. Yes, you're going to need Cameron Brown, Shane Hooks, those guys, you know, Coy Moore, Mari Kelly, like, to play. Uh, but, you know, the slot receivers have just been getting open a lot better than everybody else has and Rivaldo Fairweather. Lean on those guys, but you don't have to necessarily do that where the Ravi package, I think part of what hurt Auburn against Ole Miss going back and forth so much it was so compact yeah everybody's so everybody's within just a few yards of each other and that that just brings the defense in there and and there was no no way you're going to get the edge I I like I I like that at times in the low red zone I don't like it between the 20s I'm not crazy about it there I mean you know I, I I wouldn't mind I mean whoever the quarterback is I'd like to see see how things go with it a little more tempo and I wouldn't mind seeing Robbie in there with with them spreading the defense out sure. a little bit to create some more gaps. Yeah, even if even if it's like, hey, we put Robbie in with, and they did it a couple of times against Ole Miss, maybe with three or four wide receivers. Now those mm-hmm. guys could be tight ends or running backs, right? Uh, but you know, but I mean, as long as they're not in tight, yeah. It the the, football, defend, the defenders can't just ignore them. So much of football is about space and matchups and manipulating both. And when you go super tight. Um, what you're basically saying is, is like you've got to win more one on one, and mm-hmm. like you know, Auburn just isn't executing well enough to do that. You get out in space. I mean, that's why that's why teams that are underdogs um, run the air raid, run, do stuff like that because it's it's a way to option games. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It, it's a way to you know make you know isolate players instead of just saying hey, run right out. Now, state, uh, Arkansas, Vanderbilt coming up, not as talented 
as the teams Auburn just played. And I'll even mm-hmm. give Ole, Ole Miss credit. I don't think Ole Miss is – the difference between Auburn and Ole Miss wasn't a talent gap. It was Ole Miss just had – Ole Miss has their system and they are locked into it. They do. I mean, And, and their defense has stepped up. Yeah, that, that is They have. They're playing a little better defensively. I think they've, they've got Auburn at skill positions offensively. Sure. And they've got the system down. Yeah. Mississippi State has been struggling on offense. Arkansas has been struggling as much as Auburn has on mm-hmm. offense. Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt. Like, they have just not done really well uh, against quality competition this year. You've got an opportunity. Um, am I going to sit here and guarantee that Auburn wins the next three? No. But they have an opportunity to. And you win two out of your next three, however way you can get it. You make a bowl game. And I, I talked to guys this week when we talked uh, on Tuesday, and just asked them like, "Hey, how important would it be to to get to a bowl?" And I think in a year where you don't, you've had bad to back losing seasons. In a year where you don't, where you're not going to compete for a championship, a big step to the to the rebuild is just get back to the postseason, potentially get a win. Feel like they've gotten a reward. Yeah, Again, get, you were talking about rewards a while ago. Yeah, and we'll, reward we'll, that hard work. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more and a couple and more thoughts. Obviously, we'd love for you to join in. The number to get you through on the uh, the drive hotline presented by Skybar. It's 334-321-1390. Or you can text us. The drive text box brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors at that number, 334-564-1840. Just underway. Come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive. Easy. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll-free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at espnau.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Justin Ferguson here in the studio, Drew at the controls. Justin, while we got a little bit, uh, I mean, as I was saying, it's a it's a fun time. A lot mm-hmm. of things. It's sort of that fall. There's a there's a spring and fall when a lot of things Happen are, are going on at the same time. This is the fall version. Yeah, I, I just thought about it today. By next week, we will have had two thirds of football season done, and we're about we'll be in the start of basketball yep. season all at the same time, which is going to be a whole lot of fun. But yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Check out everything we got going on right there. Um, a lot of football, a lot of basketball. Uh, podcast newsletters we're putting out at least one or two things every day of the week they email it right to you uh, at about 6 a.m central time we'll have a ton of stuff over the weekend as well and yeah looking forward to the exhibition next week Um, I have everything squared away uh, going to South Dakota for the opener against Baylor between the Vanderbilt and Arkansas games yeah going to Brooklyn midweek going to Brooklyn for those big games as well so it's gonna be a lot (laughs) of travel coming up I'm gonna be on the road a lot here these this next month but I'm really, really looking forward to it because there's a lot of good stuff. You're just going just a little out of the way on the way between uh, Nashville and, yeah, and Fayetteville. Yeah, get the, get the <laughs> loop going. Uh, yeah, no, I was thinking about that the other day. It was like I'm coming back, like my flight back in from South Dakota. Like I don't get back to Atlanta until like early Thursday morning, like 2 o'clock in the morning. And then I have to be back in Atlanta Friday to fly to the Arkansas why are you, game. Why are you really? Why are, why are you coming back? Yeah, because I couldn't Just, go. I couldn't go straight to Arkansas. Oh, okay. like, like, well, it is tough to do that. Yeah, and I, I have no idea from, it's, from it was, South, it South was, Dakota. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to fly back to Atlanta, and I'm just going to stay in Atlanta. Oh, that makes the, sense. Yeah, I was going to say really. I mean, you yeah. don't want to go an yeah. extra couple hundred miles no. if you don't need to. No, and uh, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then those Brooklyn games, but you know, Auburn football going to be on the road 
uh, these next couple of weeks. So we got a ton of stuff uh, coming out at, at the Observer, and we'll be on top of all of it. So yeah, but yeah, this is this is my favorite time of the year: stretch run in football, especially again if Auburn can get a win on Saturday and kind of get the kind of get the the good vibes going back mm-hmm. again with the program. Time that up with what I think is going to be a fun basketball season. Uh, this is it's, it's going to be a lot, a lot of good stuff. All right, we'll, we'll get into basketball here in a little bit. Wanted to get to a couple of other things we were talking during the break. I know Dan's Dan's brought up a couple of times. Uh, is is it really worth getting to a bowl game this year because yes. the transfer portal? And I said yes. yes I absolutely. agree. I mean, you know, when you have a coach that's coming in at that time of year and he doesn't know the team, doesn't sure. know what they sure. need, then it might be more beneficial. Maybe. Uh, you know, maybe Billy Napier might have felt, especially after that bowl performance or mm-hmm. lack of performance mm-hmm. they had last year, might have been better to focus on recruiting than to than to waste time there in the bowl game. But when you've been there for a year and you know what your team has, what they need, one of the things I think they need is they need that reward. They need the upperclassmen, the seniors need that, okay, you guys have earned a bowl game. And I know there are a lot of fans that will go, who cares about those? And and sure, I can understand that. But you, for some of these care. players, yeah. that it's everything. This may be the last chance they get to play yeah. football. I, I mean, I asked that question to a few players this week. Eugene Asante had a really good quote about goals and, like, you know, seeing seeing getting to a bowl game is as like the next step in helping build this program to be mm-hmm. where it needs to be knowing that you know he's not going to be there when when Auburn is you know where 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 they want to go uh ask Jalen Simpson Jalen's like man I just want to play for more football he's been here this is his fifth year he's never won a bowl game he's like he just wants to win he just wants to play he enjoys playing with this team and and I think yeah like it it matters to these guys a lot and look coaches they can handle it. They they're already handling having to recruit in season anyway. There's no reason not to do that for, you know, for a bowl game and the prep and all that. And I'll add another thing to it. There are a number of players on this team right now. These younger players that are going to be around here for the next season or two that are kind of on the upswing. You look at it, Caleb they, Burton, and they can look, use the extra practice. Kay and Lee, Caleb Burton. You know, you even look at guys like Ken Brown, Jeremiah Cobb, like. You know, a number of players mm-hmm. uh, that you feel like are going to be pieces for you, give, give them some more reps. Give them some more experience. Um, let them play some more football instead of having to kind of wait around for months and months before they get back on the field. I think I think it's definitely beneficial, and it's definitely doable for Auburn. Um, you know, they've – the Mississippi State game will make it a lot easier uh, if they can just go ahead and take care of it this week. It's not going to be – it's not going to be easy. The game itself is not going to be easy. Like, we talked about how I, we thought this no, matchup was – No, but it'd take a gonna, huge load off, the, a load off of them if they could and get you're, away. And you're a, and you're a <laughs> touchdown favorite. Like, it's not supposed to be like you're supposed to blow this team out. But I do I, – I, I like where this – I like how this matchup presents itself for Auburn. However, Auburn's got to play a lot better on, mm-hmm. on offense. And I think the other thing, we talked about it on our podcast, and I've written it a couple of times this week, but I keep going back to this. How much better can Auburn's offense be? It's something I asked, you know, uh, Freeze on, on, on Monday. I was like, realistically, seven games in the year, how much better is this really going to get? And he thinks it can be better, and, and I agree, and there's a number of re- ways they can get better. At the end of the day, though, they don't need miracles down the stretch to win games. They just need to be somewhat better. Yeah. And, they and, need to be efficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they need to – If they just limit their own self-inflicted yeah. wounds against the teams they've got coming up, I think they can win these games. Um, it would help to change some things up schematically and strategically for sure. But I look at a team that just has a lot of like mistakes from the players, from the coaching staff, from things just not clicking right. And if they just clean that up and tighten it up, 
you're about to play these teams coming up they're struggling just as much as you and you should have a talent advantage over all three of them um on paper auburn is a better team than mississippi state is on paper they're a better team than vanderbilt and arkansas doesn't mean you win the, all those games no. but it's not like you're playing from behind like you did the first three no, games yeah you don't have the straight. disadvantages no. that you've and had Ole Miss the last was more weeks. of a Ole Miss was more of an even playing field the difference is and I guess honestly, you've seen this the last four games. I could I, I've I could have written this after every game Auburn's lost here. The other teams that Auburn played here over the last four games, not only did they have skill position talent advantage, wide receivers, quarterback, most oh, important yeah. position You're on the right. field, there was a gap. Not seeing that as much with State, especially if it's not going to be um, Will Rogers on Saturday. Now, no disrespect to Mike Wright, he's played a lot of football. The numbers just haven't like. No, he's not he, he's an athletic guy who yeah. is not uh, not a big threat passing. I'll, I'll put it this way: there's not a far and away gap. There's not a noticeable gap between what Auburn's production has been at quarterback and what Mississippi State is right now in against quality mm-hmm. competition. Right, and so if that's more balanced, you feel better about your chances because Auburn's got Auburn's got some dudes that have some real potential. I mean, I mentioned all those guys that hey, you need to keep playing. Um, there for the future. Didn't mention the one that didn't mention the one that has been the most impressive to me this season, and why not? Keldrick Falk. Sure, Keldrick Falk. Every week is just making plays, man. Like it is like he he looks like he is going to be so good by the end of his Auburn career. Um, does State have a Keldrick Falk type on this team? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. But you know, I think I think if Auburn if Auburn is not playing from so far behind at quarterback and can help out their own quarterbacks, this is an opportunity to make some plays for sure. All right, so are you are you expecting anything different as far as the the way the quarterbacks are handled this week? I I don't know. I don't know either. They both on Tuesday at practice when we were out there, they both were kind of doing the same thing we had always seen, a lot of even reps between two of them and we're watching just position drills for the most part. Um I think I think they went back and forth as much as they did cuz they were just looking for something to click. Toward the end of the game where they did drive the ball it was with Peyton on the field. We mm-hmm. saw that some of the LSU game. We saw that some at times, um, you know, earlier in the game. I know there's a lot of folks that want to see Robbie Ashford play more, and I think if Auburn wanted to sculpt their offense around Robbie Ashford and let him be the guy, they could do that. But they got to be able to throw the ball, and I just have not seen Auburn have a ton of confidence in letting Robbie Ashford be a guy who throws the ball more than maybe a handful of times right. in a game. Um, so – what could change if they get off to a better start on Saturday? And I think they do some of that quick game, two minute drill type of tempo. Now you don't overload it, but use it strategically. I think it would naturally lead to Thorne getting more snaps than, than Ashford. I think you wouldn't see Ashford quite as much, but you could still use him. Sure. So I think when you're like, like, what could change if they do the things in the, toward the end of the game that they did against Ole Miss and move the ball that way, I think you could see a, a scenario where Thorne plays a little bit more, Astro plays a little bit less, but you still use both of them, and both of those can up. Because, again, I, red, red zone, load red zone. Like, Auburn has been a pretty good red zone they offense have. this year. They just got to get there. And that's where I think you can still use use Astro in a number of ways. And, and, and quite frankly, I mean, um, we, we'll see how it, how it plays out against these teams uh, down this stretch. 
But Auburn's been able to run the ball better yeah. with Peyton. And I believe that's because, as we were talking a while ago, you're able to spread the defense a little bit more. It gives you more lanes, more running lanes than when everybody's bunched in tight. It's just difficult. It's just hard you know, when you don't have somebody who can stretch, stretch the field. You don't feel like you can stretch the field as much because that's what they want to do. Um, I know we're coming up at the bottom there. I think we should make this next caller hold. Like, oh, I give think so. a hold. well, we, we well we we do have a break that we're a couple of minutes behind. Yeah, no, I think so, I think uh, I think he yeah, we'll, he we'll needs uh, to sit back. We'll we'll go down the road for our next call when we come back. Love for you to join in as well here on the Thursday Drive. Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon, 24 minutes away from 5 o'clock. It's Bill and Justin with Drew at the controls here in the studio. And uh, let's go to the uh, drive hotline presented by sky bar cafe and dan that's dan peck yes the dan peck joining us are you in troy dan or on the way uh, I'm, on, I'm on my way to troy the banquet doesn't start until like six o'clock six thirty so I'm, I'm headed down there right now loving the show listening and uh, and thought i'd uh thought i'd come in and ruin things uh, mm-hmm. by, by offering uh offering my perspective but yeah, so d- little, no bowl. That they, that was your perspective that I was that was asking Justin about. Yeah, that was, that was dumb, no, Dan. No, I, I, Dan, I, 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 I noticed you didn't pull, pull pull that up to me during the podcast during the podcast because you <laughs> knew I, you knew I'd shred you. Well, no, I go back and forth on it. Like I see the benefit of using December to focus exclusively on recruiting <sighs> because the timeline has changed, and now like with the portal only being thirty days, like you only have December to be uh, wooing players, uh, you know, before they, if they're going to be on campus for the, for the spring term at the same time, I would want to see this team go to like in year one. It's also kind of important to get some momentum going uh, yeah. and, and you'd like, you'd like to go to the postseason, uh, especially at a place that's accustomed to going to the sure. postseason. And I'll put it to you this way, Dan, like, yes, being able just to focus on recruiting in the transfer portal is a big plus but I said, but I would think if you weighed the pros and cons of making a bowl and not making a bowl, I think you would have more pros for going to a bowl. Maybe not, you know. And I think the sum would would be would outweigh, you know, the the, the situation where you would say, oh, okay, well, look at the benefit you get from recruiting. I was like, well, look at all the benefits over here. Hey, one benefit that you can get from recruiting when you're in a bowl game is recruits can come to bowl practice. There you go. Right, and and they can and they can watch your team play a game on TV, which could be a, a positive or a negative depending on how you perform, I guess, in, in that game. I, you know, I, I think about, and Florida still was able to turn it around and have have a positive, uh, you know, a positive experience yeah, recruiting. They're recruiting just fine. <laughs> yeah, but oh that, yeah. But that that game in Vegas, I remember thinking like this is this is the first weekend that recruits can take uh, the players in the portal can take an on-campus visit and Florida is spending it in Las Vegas getting you know getting demolished by Oregon State and you know I I, I could see I could see the I guess it's still it, works even the negatives are somewhat limited mm-hmm. but yeah and Florida was still able to turn it around but no for this group no I think I'm I think I'm pro bowl this year for this thank season. you for being on the right side of history 
Probably. Yeah, like I want to say, like, and that's that, that, you know, and five and seven, like, can be spun into a positive experience, I suppose. Like, you can you can sell that to recruits. I think fans would be very disappointed with a five just, and seven. I just think because, a third straight losing season would be really rough yeah. to handle. Well, and and because these three games seem winnable, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. another reason five and seven would be disappointing yeah. because five and seven means like, you drop <laughs> multiple games you probably should have won. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you five and seven would mean that you probably lost two of these next three in right. conference. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think one and two in these next three would be very disappointing. And that's oh, you know more, sure. more so than a more so than a five and seven finish. I think these three games where you think like yeah, yeah I mean these these first four in conference, Auburn was you know playing from behind at the skill positions and they'd been out recruited by those 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 programs. That's that's not. I mean, these coaches have. I mean, it's year one for Zach Arnett. The circumstances are different, obviously, but this is a coach walking into a a, a brand new situation and trying to build it from the ground up, largely. So, yeah, I, I think that some of the things that you could use to excuse disappointing performances here and there the last four weeks or the last four games, yeah, you can't can't apply them as much these next three. Yeah, I think. You need to be two and one over your next three. You would love to be three and zero over your next three, like that. That's one and two. Oh yeah, one and absolutely. two. One and two. Zero oh and three. I mean, you you it, you're in trouble at that point because you're gonna need you're gonna need something really special down the stretch. And this one is the one of those three at home. Yes. Mm-hmm. So so I mean, so you think about like you better you better make good on a game against Mississippi State that seems. You know, I, I would again, I would go to win a bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would worry that if Auburn took the same approach they took in the first three and a half quarters offensively against, uh, if, if they if they did that against uh, Mississippi State, I, I think it could it could very well be. Um, I, I I wonder I wonder how productive it would be with a different opponent. And yeah, because state because state. Because State and Ole Miss defensively aren't – there's not that big of a gap. I, I do think State better up front than, than Ole Miss has been. State not as good in the back end oh, as Ole far. Miss. by far. Yeah, and, and I, I don't I, – I can't say I've seen – I watched a ton of Ole Miss – I mean, Mississippi State this year. I don't know what's going on with their secondary. I don't know why they're giving up that many that many completions. Uh, but, you know, it's I, – I think you're right, Dan. Like, you know, if you do the same approach against Ole Miss and Mississippi State, I don't think you get that much of a difference. I think the difference between Ole Miss and Mississippi State overall is the offense for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so, yeah, you need to change up something on that side of the ball, um, you know, and, and, and try to have some more success uh, that way. And, again, I don't think you're going to get grand sweeping, like, wild changes. I don't think it's going to look like a brand-new offense. But, you know, I said it in the last segment, but I keep repeating it, but, like, you know, you don't need miracles for Auburn to win these games over the next few weeks. You just need to be better, and and then that's that's the situation you've got in front of you. And I guess regardless of the outcome of these next three, the other thing I would love to see would be somebody. And I guess since we're focusing on quarterback and receiver, we can exclusively say I would love to see somebody at quarterback or receiver make a really compelling argument that they should be a starter next year, like whoever it's going to be, but somebody with eligibility remaining. You know, you know we, we mentioned on the podcast 
felt like Camden Brown was first up for a lot of these drills. A big finish for Camden Brown. And you start thinking, well, well maybe, maybe you don't have to drastically revamp what you have at wide receiver if you have a guy you feel like could be a starter and some big-time recruits already penciled in uh, as, as freshmen. So, yeah, I think a, a receiver like Camden or Jay Fair or Caleb Burton um, and Peyton Thorne is eligible next year, too. Like a big finish to the season by Thorne through the air. And, and you know, it changes, it changes the shopping list a little bit for the transfer portal. And that makes life – everyone wants big-time skill position players in the portal. So the fewer of them you feel like you need to land in December, the easier the job is for a head coach. And, and as crazy as it may sound, and I know there's some people that are saying, you know, I've, I've lost my mind. They've been saying that for a long time. There's time for, you know, for, for things like this to happen. I mean, the, the schedule that Auburn has from this point on, it, it's, uh, it seems inconceivable to some people, but, I, you know, it, it wouldn't be unprecedented for, uh, you know, for, for the offense to, to look a lot different. If you if you approach it and have some success executing it, well, if, if a receiver starts to get some attention from the defense, right? Because they already have to worry about the Auburn run game or some of the weapons in the backfield of the Auburn run game, and and Rivaldo Fairweather has made some catches. You know, I, I think that if I mean we've we've seen it before, a, a guy who could you know win a matchup or two in a in a moment where Auburn tries to take a big shot. I, yeah, I, I think we could see something a little bit different than what we've seen the, the first couple of weeks. Dan on his way down to a uh, to a, it's a, a preseason tip-off banquet, right? Yes, the, the tip-off banquet. We get going. Uh, uh, we get going the 11th with Ball State uh, coming to town as part of the MAC Challenge that the Sun Belt and the uh, and, and the MAC are doing this year. Some cool games on the schedule. We're going to going to Knoxville later in the month, which I feel like if you're going to do a game on the road in women's basketball, like that, mm-hmm. that's the gym you want to go to, right, Bill? Well, it's a gym you want, yeah, it's a gym you want to experience. I don't know that it's one as an opposing team you really want to go to and play, but I mean, no, it's, it's a great challenge, a great opportunity. Yeah. It's easy for me to say, I'm not going to be the point guard. Right. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be the one out there. You were Dan, Dan, were you ever the point guard? You weren't ever the I point guard. The point. Okay, no, neither was in, I. In, in one Justin on may one, have been a point guard, but neither one of us ever a point guard. In one-on-one, they wouldn't even let me be the point no, guard, Bill. No, me either. Me either. Well, that, that should be great. I, you got, uh, you, you're going to roll here after this break, or are you going to stick with us to the top? I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to listen in to, to Pascal, and I might buzz in an hour number two. How's that? Sounds good. All right. Well, All have, right. A, have a good trip. Have a safe trip. All right. See, see you guys tomorrow. All right, uh, Dan Peck joining us on the road to Troy. Yes, he mentioned David Pascal from Chattanooga will be joining us in hour number two here this afternoon. Look forward to his thoughts. He watched an interesting game last week. Where was he? He was in Knoxville. Or in Tuscaloosa, oh. I thought. Yeah, Tuscaloosa, I thought. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, well, he saw two interesting games. One first half was really interesting, a lot of fun for Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Second half was really fun for Alabama. Yeah, it's, that was – Alabama's done that a few times this year now where it's just like, man, this looks really bad for the – oh, they won. Okay. When I, I mean, <laughs> what I saw, Tennessee looked really good. Yeah. Because I left, oh, the, ho- yeah. I left yeah. the house to go to the stadium, 
and it's 20 to 7. We were down on the field when Alabama scored their first touchdown coming out of the second half or something like that and I looked up I looked up at the screen and I was just like, yeah, well, Bama's going to get Bama's going to get this one. My wife and I had walked in. I was sitting it's very old school I was Alabama sitting next here. sitting next to her and we the score flashed and I went, there it comes. Yep. Yep. It, it, it just I didn't know it, it was going to be 27 straight, but yeah. And, and like, you know, They've gotten better quarterback play over the last few weeks, and they've they've kind of figured out something on offense a little bit more. But it's like it's 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 a classic Alabama team. That that it's defense what Nick Saban is, wanted. That defense is nuts, and they just find ways to win. But mm-hmm. they, you know, it's it's very very old school. It's like we're going back to the early days of the of the Saban run. Um, but uh, yeah, it it'll make for an, two weeks. I mean, next week against LSU, that is a fascinating game because if there is any team in the country that I feel like could could roll Can light it up and, against and, anybody doesn't matter where they yeah, play where they are it's it's lsu that is man serious strength it's, against it's or, strength. it's oregon washington and lsu pretty much right now for me um i'm trying to think if i'm if i'm missing another obvious one but you know it's those three for sure no, are ones right. where i, I feel like right. they could just they could just put up points on anybody mm-hmm. and so uh it'll be interesting we'll get to our final break of hour number one love for you to join in 334-321-1390 as we continue here with the thursday drive I'm Jessica Sam. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of hour number one here on this Thursday. Bill and Justin Ferguson with Drew at the controls, and we'll head to the drive hotline and welcome in John. Hey, John. Hey, good afternoon. I was uh, just going to get your opinion. What do you think we're in for uh, Saturday? We're looking at uh, another uh, 24 to 17 type game. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, this kind of feels like a first to 20 game kind of could be the winner here. Um, you know, if Auburn – pops out and scores more or even if state pops out and scores more i'd be surprised i think both these teams their strength is their defense right now especially especially state up front i didn't watch the uh arkansas mississippi state game but how did they manage to score so few points was there a bunch of turnovers or missed field goals or they just they could not move the both ball. teams just stopped the other i mean kj jefferson i mean was harassed mm-hmm. and when he had time he just didn't make good throws yeah. either state they couldn't run it state arkansas st- can't run the ball no and that's and that's been wild to see this year state uh mike wright the former vanderbilt quarterback started for them in the place of will rogers we'll see if that happens again on saturday rogers has been hurt uh right didn't attempt very many passes. Didn't complete them either. State just kind of ground Eight for into for twelve. I think yeah, for less than a hundred yards. State kinda, very Auburnish. State did not really do anything on the ground. Both teams were barely over two hundred yards in that game. It was just mm-hmm. a lot of punts in that one. Not a lot of turnovers. And either. You, you would think when you hear that, oh, it must have been terrible weather. But it looked no. It was it was gorgeous. No, it was a, it was very much a war of attrition. Neither yeah. team could convert on third down. Neither team could throw the ball well. Neither team could run the ball well. Like it was just it was just kind of kind of faded out. And you know I. This this state team this, is not the team what we've seen the last two years from them, but like they're they're definitely trying to run the ball a lot more. They just, it just hasn't been very successful. I was at the last uh, SEC game we won. Well, I'll take that back because they, they beat uh, Texas A&M. But I was at the Ole Miss game a couple of years ago uh, where we won, and then uh, unfortunately I was at the the following game against Mississippi State yeah. where we had the big lead, and then they uh, came back and ate us alive, and we could not stop them to save our life for the. Uh, 
the quick throws that Will Rogers was Will Rogers was making, and that was a game that the uh, Bo Nix got hurt in, and mm-hmm. that was it for us. Yeah, you're right. This is the beginning of the end for sure. Yeah. Now it's but, it's 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 remarkable that you know how much has changed since the last time Auburn you know played Mississippi State uh, here, and you know also Auburn ha- <laughs> Mississippi State's AD is now at Auburn. Like you know, it's like one right. of those things. It's like it's just so much has kind of changed. And, that's why it kind of feels almost unlike a more than just the game itself and the season itself. It would just feel like if Auburn won this game, it just it just changes kind of the, the – Sort of puts them back on track. Yeah, I mean, despite yeah. all the – everything that's gone on, if they win this one, it's like, okay, things are still going um, – things are still going the way people had thought and maybe a little better because of the recruiting. All right. I got, I got a trivia question for you, Bill, and maybe you can answer it for me because it's an answer I was looking for. I've got an old jersey that I stole from my uncle uh-huh. back in uh, – I was in high school, so it was probably like in the early 80s that I took it from him. It was the Auburn mesh jersey. Okay. It was a game jersey. When was the last time Auburn wore mesh, blue oh, mesh? We uh, did did with – let's see, I know in the – I know early, Sullivan did. In, in the, in the, uh, what was that? Yeah, I was going to say – I said I know Sullivan I believe did. They, I believe they still did – in the late 70s, I'm trying to remember if there was any in the early 80s, but you're right, yeah. Um, the, the Sullivan days, you went from mesh to then some tearaways. Like, yeah, Alabama had the tearaways, Auburn wore the mesh. Um, I believe I believe that's the last time I can recall. So you're, you're, you're looking at something that may be 50 years old. Wow. Hmm. All right, well, uh, I've had it for a long time. So that's I cool. appreciate y'all's time, and maybe we'll get us a win this weekend. Good hearing from you, John. We need to get to our top of the hour mid-show break. Yeah, mesh jerseys. It's just yeah. even, it's just hard for me to imagine that. You see, yeah, I, I can recall the pictures and seeing Pat Sullivan in that in that pose as he's about to make a pass with the see-through sort yeah. of jersey. Terry Henley yeah. wore that. Because for most of my of my life, even the baggier ones, like when I was a kid. It still was. Oh yeah, solid, solid all the way through. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, you know, they're just they're just skin tight. Oh, you know, that's right. You just got to come up. Just got to get over the shoulder pads. It's about basically. Well, you don't want to have. You know, you don't want there to be anything for folks to grab onto. Nope. For players to grab onto. Absolutely. All right, we're halfway done. David Pascal joins us early on in hour number two. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. Live from Auburn. The sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in to hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Yep, Dan is on assignment. He is actually uh, on his way down to Troy for a uh, for his part, whatever that may be, in a preseason. I'm sure it will be entertaining. MC. Uh, yeah. May, uh, may, hopefully they, they make him, like, serve. Like he I, actually, I think, actually I think there should though. be video. Hopefully somebody's yeah. videoing this. But, yeah, Dan, Dan uh, checked in an hour number one, may check in here an hour number two. But that's Justin Ferguson, who is normally here uh, when he's in town on Thursdays from the Auburn Observer. And uh, we, we talked about Auburn, Mississippi State. We'll get into some basketball here in a little while. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, though, we're going to be checking in our regular Thursday visit 
with David Pascal of the Chattanooga Times Free Press and just wrapping up his show on ESPN Chattanooga. We'll get his thoughts on um, on, on this week. Well, well, we'll look back at some last week and then get thoughts on this week in the SEC and more. And uh, we'll go ahead and get to the phones and welcome in David Pascal to the uh, to the drive here this afternoon. Bill and Justin here in the studio. David Dan's on his way down to uh, Troy to help MC a preseason basketball banquet. So uh, uh, so it's just the two of us here in the studio. How you doing today? I'm doing great. I hope y'all are both doing well. Oh, we're doing fine. Enjoying, just loving the actual fall type weather that we've got. It's gotten a little bit warmer, but man, um, we're not we're not usually blessed with a couple of weeks of either extremely hot or uh you know wet or cold stuff this time of year so so we're just enjoying that and you know just waiting to see now what happens down the stretch here in college football yeah i don't know if y'all have had the same deal at auburn that we've had in chattanooga but chattanooga had its driest september since 1919 so i mean we are wow absolutely we were, we were very dry too screaming yeah. parade yeah, we've been drier yeah. for the last month, but we got a lot. We got a decent amount of rain during the during the summer, so we're not in that terrible drought situation. But things are, yeah, things have dried up a little bit. Yeah, it's supposed to get a, it's supposed to cool off a ton next week. As just well. in time for Halloween. Yeah. Just in time for trick or treat. It's going to be going to be cool. So, uh, so yeah, you got everything all decorated and ready. <laughs> Uh, we don't get as many trick-or-treaters as our new house. We moved about four, four and a half years ago. Our old house, though, was like Grand Central. It was like Bourbon Street for kids, minus the, <laughs> you know, all the booze and stuff. Uh, well, good. Good good to hear that last part, David. So, uh, <laughs> No wonder it was such a popular place. Those weren't little kids either, no. Uh, let's, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's, let's get some thoughts on, on uh, uh, the SEC. A lot of teams off this week. Uh, I think we have four or five teams that, that are off this week. Uh, before we get into this week, though, um, from last week, was what was the biggest surprise? I mean, obviously, a lot of Tennessee fans uh, were feeling great at the half last week in Tuscaloosa. But, man, that was two completely different games. And Alabama just dominating in the second half. Yeah, it was so quick, too. I mean, you know, the first play of the second half was Jace McClellan's 29-yard run. And then uh, – you know, credit Alabama for making some adjustments because in that second play from scrimmage, Milrow stepped up in the pocket a little more and found Isaiah Bond 10 yards behind everybody in Tennessee's secondary. So, yeah, I mean, if Tennessee was feeling good at 20-7, to two plays later, I mean, that, the complexion of that game was forever changed. Oh, no, no question about it. I mean, from I never – I mean, I wasn't surprised that Alabama made adjustments and came back and ultimately won – but 27 nothing in the second half was nothing that I saw. And that tells you one of the things. I mean, this Tennessee team, you talked about it some last week. They're just, they're just nowhere near what a lot of folks expected offensively. And it just takes you back to last year and just how special they were. I mm-hmm. mean, 525 yards a game. They led the nation. And, I mean, Hendon Hooker was a sensational college quarterback. And Tennessee had never had a Bolitnikoff winner until last year. Tennessee had a top-ten pick at one of its tackle spots. I mean, it, it just all came together with this perfect storm. And, you know, Mark Stoops was talking about it this week with, with Kentucky playing Tennessee next. He's like, you know, Tennessee still has really good balance. I mean, they're, they're 217 rushers. And 220 passing, um, but they're about 87 yards a game off 
of where they were a year ago. And so you're, you're definitely feeling it. They had a, I think they had a big loss when Brew McCoy went down for the year against South Carolina because that was a big physical receiver who not only made the catches but was just such a good blocker on the perimeter. So there have just been some things that have hindered this thing to really make it kind of unfair to compare it to last year's team because last year, like I said, they lost some really key pieces. And, and Joe Milton's just not Hendon Hooker. I mean, he can still have a nice year. Um, but, you know, the big overall picture with Tennessee is if you go back to last year, you know, they, they I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was kind of like the year Auburn went down there, uh, Tuberville's first year to LSU, and they just emptied the crowd out. Uh, Tennessee did that in Baton Rouge last year, but then they started developing, you know, a reputation of going on the road and getting clobbered, you know, at Georgia, the debacle at South Carolina. And now you've got Florida and Alabama. And kind of the weird thing about this year is you mentioned it last last week. It was twenty seven nothing in the second half, but the Florida game was a twenty six nothing run at one point in the first half. So it's it's kind of hard to say. You know, we woulda, coulda, shoulda. We'd be seven and zero right now if it wasn't for a twenty six twenty six nothing run in one game and a twenty seven nothing run in the other. Those are some big runs. Yeah, no kidding. And and now they go and and now they they stay on the road. They're at Kentucky this weekend. Tennessee, a a slight favorite in that one. I mean, um, I, I really don't know what to expect here because can neither one of these teams has quite been what what their folks were hoping they would be. Yeah, a couple of very shaky five and two teams. Yeah, the winner of this becomes bowl eligible, but they were. I think they were both thinking bigger things at the beginning of the year, especially when Kentucky's five and zero and had that really nice win over Florida. So, you know, it, it is one of those things intangible wise. I felt all along this was a huge trap game for Tennessee because you know mm-hmm. you host a talented team like Texas A&M, then you go on the road and face your big rival in Bama, uh, and then and then you've got this this team that wants to beat you. I mean, since 1985, this series is 35-3 to Vols. So, I mean, you know, Tennessee is easily Kentucky's biggest rival within the league, and and Kentucky would be, you know, way on down the line for Tennessee. When you think Mm -hmm. about Tennessee wants to beat Bama, they want to beat Florida, they want to beat Georgia. So it's a unique dynamic about who views who as the rival. But I've looked at this as a trap game all along for Tennessee, uh, I just, I still think Tennessee wins the game. I just think they're better because uh, Tennessee's actually a pretty good team at stopping the run this year, uh, and 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 so I think Tennessee's strengths can kind of play into what Kentucky doesn't do great. Um, certainly, it's an opportunity for Devin Leary to show up because you know. I don't know how you can describe him other than pretty, you know, at least mildly disappointing to say the least. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game before we get into the, the game formerly known as the cocktail party. Got to talk a little bit about Missouri. They are probably the most overlooked seven and one team that you're going to find anywhere. And here they are in the sec again, sort of slipping by the radar, slipping under the radar. You're right. I mean, they are sitting there with the exact same record as Alabama in an open date, and I don't think anybody saw that at the beginning of the year. But you're, you're right. People still think – people don't believe in them. And if you look at the rest of their schedule, people still think, hey, this is a team that's 7-1. Seven and, seven and one, It could be 7-5. and five. Right. I mean, they go to Georgia. You know, they host Tennessee. Tennessee's averaged 64 points against them the last two years. Uh, they play Florida. Although, you know, Florida going up there late in the year could be problematic for Florida, given how 
some of those weather games can be. And then they play a rival game at the end of the year at Arkansas, which they should win, but it's still a rivalry game in Fayetteville. So there's nothing that's just a slam dunk for Missouri the rest of the way. I mean, I think they should probably split those two and be a pretty nice 9-3 and three type of team this year. I mean, I think I think Drinkwitz is a good candidate for – Coach of the Year consideration, given given kind of what they've been able to do. Yeah, we were talking about it on Monday that right now he would be your Coach of the Year. I mean, because they're here, they sit at seven and one, and uh, and they have an open date. And while 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 Georgia is playing Florida, Missouri's getting ready to go down to Athens next week. Yeah, and it's funny because I don't disagree with you. I mean, on Drinkwitz, but I, I do think Kirby. The longer Georgia keeps. Keeps winning. Uh, I don't think you can discount. It's kind of the no, Michael right. Jordan effect. I mean, NBA writers were looking for reasons to vote somebody other than Jordan because they got tired. I think Kirby has that same effect. But if he sets SEC records as this streak continues to go, uh, I think he's got to be a candidate for Coach of the Year as well. Um, but yeah, you've got this. Uh, how does Georgia respond without Brock Bowers? Um, do they take a page out of Mark Stoops' book? Do they just go right at Florida and just decide, you know, we're going to run all over you? Uh, it becomes a very unique game. I mean, Graham Mertz has been playing incredibly well, uh, but Carson Beck goes back. Here's a wild stat for you. Uh, Georgia quarterbacks since 2000 are 1-9 and nine, uh, against Florida when they're playing them for the first time. Jake Fromm in 2017 is the only Georgia quarterback who beat Florida in his first try. David Green didn't do it. Shockley was injured, so Joe Tereshinsky started that year. Uh, Matthew Stafford didn't do it. Joe Cox didn't do it. Aaron Murray didn't do it. They had the inexplicable year in 2015 where Fatone Balta, Mark Rick started Fatone (laughs) Balta in that game for, uh, we'll never know that one. But Jacob Eason didn't do it. And, of course, Stetson Bennett started opposite Kyle Trask in the COVID year, uh, which is Florida's only win in that rivalry the last six or seven years. So just kind of this random stat that Carson Beck's got to try to uh, rewrite. Uh, Carson's really been putting up good numbers. So I think a lot of people, yes, you know, they, they, they just feel like, well, Georgia's this boring running team, but Carson Beck has really hey, put up good numbers. And David, I wanted to ask you, you, you just mentioned it there. Does Georgia take a page out of the playbook of Mark Richt and just say, hey, we're going to run right at Florida? Is Georgia capable of doing that? I mean, we this has been one of the more underwhelming Georgia rushing attacks that I, that I can remember, and, you know, the only game of Georgia that I've really seen a ton of this year was when they played Auburn, and Auburn did a great job of bottling them up uh, at the line of scrimmage. Um, so, it, you know, is Georgia feeling more confident about their ground game? Is Florida that susceptible? Like, I'm, I'm really interested in that because I, I it, to me, every time I see a Georgia highlight on offense, it's, it's Carson Beck delivering the ball somewhere and, and making good plays with it. Yeah, Justin, I think the biggest reason I, I feel that way in a lot of. Georgia folks I've talked to feel that way is because they have gotten a little healthier okay. uh, on the offensive line, you know, with this open date. I also think there are other factors that could help the running game. This should be the healthiest Lad McConkey's been all year, too. Uh, you know, I think he's only, 
you know, I, he hadn't even played 100 plays this season. I don't know, he's barely played half that, I think. So I think the fact that McConkie's going to be healthy, uh, I think Oscar Delp is a plenty capable tight end. He's certainly no Brock Bowers. Um, but so I think that, uh, I think just every piece getting healthier for Georgia uh, would, would, would enable me and a lot of folks in Georgia to kind of think that way. I think a lot of folks in Georgia are expecting that, that they, they're going to look the most like they looked against Kentucky uh, all year in this game. I think that there are a lot of people that are really excited for this. All right, well, that sort of answers, I mean, because I was wondering, it sure seems like a lot of points. Florida, now, early in the season, I would have said there's no way they're going to keep it within three touchdowns. And now you look, and it's about a two-touchdown game uh, as far as the the lines out there. Uh, so you you feel pretty comfortable with Florida being, I mean, with uh, Georgia being able to to handle that and cover. I don't like that as much as some people I'm talking to. Okay. I mean, like I said, I've just had some conversations with folks that really think they're that Georgia's going to come together. Well, I know some I Georgia fans like that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and talking with people in Georgia's, you know, gotcha. down there that cover them and work with them and, and work in their athletic department and all that fun stuff. But, no, I think it's going to – I think something like 17, uh, you know, maybe a little more reasonable, 17 or 21. I mean, you, you do have the factor of, of what Florida does when they get hit in the mouth. I mean, this is such a big game in the first five minutes when you think about it. I mean, because Utah scored their first play of their from scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And then you think about what, what uh, Kentucky did to them early. So this is going to be a big test. If, if Florida can weather the first five or ten minutes of this game, uh, then, that, then that could definitely give them some confidence. But if it's it's 7 nothing or 14 nothing real quick, then, then absolutely it gets out of hand. Talking with David Pascoe from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga here on the Thursday Drive. Uh, well, well. speaking of confidence, a couple of teams looking for confidence. Now, State has won two straight ball games, but uh, if you watched any of that Mississippi State-Arkansas game last week, um, you know, uh, Auburn people that have been lamenting offense would go, wow, we've, we've done that and better. I mean, this is a couple of teams coming in to Jordan-Hare Stadium Saturday afternoon that, I mean – uh, 24 points would, would feel like an offensive explosion from either team. Do you realize since Mississippi State came in there two years ago that Auburn is 8-15? and 15? Yes. Yeah, yes. Sad, sadly yes. I do. I, I recall. I do know that since, since Auburn beat uh, Ole Miss uh, just before Halloween two years ago, they're 2-14 and 14 in conference play, the worst record in the SEC because Vandy has played one less game. Yeah, it is. It is just staggering to think about that, and I mean, I know it is just absolute low tide right now with Auburn and what they've gone through. But you know, I'm with you. I I, I think this game is low scoring. I think it's one possession. There's there's almost a little part of me that thinks that <coughs> excuse me that Mississippi State has a little bit of advantage with the confidence from last week, and also maybe kind of knowing who it's who it is a little bit. I mean, I just think that Auburn is still, and obviously you and Justin can speak a lot more to this than I can, but it still just sounds like listening to Hugh in these news conferences that they're still kind of figuring out what they want to do. I mean, uh, which package goes with which quarterback and, and you know, you're kind of limited because you can't do one when the other one's in and that kind of thing. I mean, I think even Mississippi State, even though they've gone from Rogers to Wright and stuff like that, they kind of know what they are. Um, obviously, this is just one of these basic, low scoring. I like both of the defenses in this one. Any kind of 
turnover is just going to be so compounded in terms of the importance of this thing. But, I mean, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but it would not surprise me if, if Mississippi State won a 13-10 a to 10 type of game here. Well, if they do, that, that this – this is what Justin and I were talking about this earlier. This is really a key ball game for Auburn because despite how anything is looked, it really hasn't gone anything but chalk so far. I mean, Auburn's been favored in three. They've been underdogs in four. They're favored in this one. They've got an opportunity. If they don't win this one, they're on a five-game losing streak. Then there's a, um, it, it, it's a long way. It's a tough, it's a tough road to trying to get bowl eligible with the uh, two road games in Alabama still left. Well, and you think about the games and I know, and I know they did, they played great against Georgia. They, they needed to get that turnover ratio and they did. Um, you know, I have to be, I have to admit, I watched next to none of that game last week because I was writing all my articles uh, from the Tennessee Alabama game down mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa. So I saw very little of that and, and really have not had time, unfortunately, to see any kind of replay. You know, I did watch a decent amount of replay of LSU, and obviously that was that got out of hand. Um, but, you know, when you talk about being favored in three and being underdog in four, the thing that kind of scares you, though, is that, and we go back to that California game, that was a total statistical anomaly that Auburn won that oh, game. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it is just kind of one of those deals where – uh, who knows? I mean, I, I just think it's going to be that same type of score, and, and you know, maybe Auburn does pull it out and, and, and should pull it out kind of thing. But, I mean, it's, it's just one of these teams that there's just not there's just nothing going for them offensively, either one of them right now. No, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Hey, David, great stuff as always. We really appreciate you spending a little time with us. Let everybody know how they can keep up with everything that you've got going. Timesfreepress.com for the articles and ESPN Chattanooga for the radio. All right, so where are you going this weekend? Are you you're able to stay home? You're going to be down in Jacksonville? No, I will, I will be uh, I will be doing the Kroger Field thing. So I'll be uh, I'll be Tennessee, Kentucky. Oh, okay. I, I'm kind of glad it's a much quicker trip for me. I did the, I did the cocktail party for 20 years, and it, and once you're there, it's fun. But I mean, you know, <laughs> navigating that stadium it took a while to to finally find the route to get there because I mean you're just talking about everybody's outside partying and. And uh, I've never seen Chris Lowe of ESPN so mad one time. He walked in that stadium, he walked in that press box, and he's like, Mark Slaybaugh can have this game. I hate this traffic. <laughs> I don't blame you. Well, we'll have a good trip and uh, a good weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bill, Justin, you guys take care. Always enjoy it. All right. David Pascal joining us as he does each Thursday here on The Drive. We'll get to our first break. Open up the phone lines. Love for you to join in. 334-321-1390 here on the Thursday Drive. Yellowwood knows that a fight. Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. It's it's starting to get to the point where it won't be long before I'm saying evening before we're done. It is it is getting dark. I mean, as soon as the show's over, yep. it by the time I get home, it's it's about dark. So yeah, it's it's uh, getting a little later in the year. Justin, got to ask you your thoughts. I know you're you're a big NBA guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about the debut last night for for Victor? Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that uh, you know he he had so much trouble with fouls in that game, um, but I 
the plays he made. He didn't make a ton of them, but the plays he made, it's just like, I don't, I don't know what you're supposed to do with that. Like once he gets a year or two into the NBA, like I don't know, I don't know how I mean, they're going to stop him. You, you, you look at the way he plays, and it's like, oh, what is he, 6'8", 6'9"? No. Mm-mm. No, he's a half a foot taller than that. Yeah, and like he's he's it's a like, more polished player coming out of Europe than Giannis was when he was coming. Mm-hmm. But it's very similar where it's like I, I don't I've never seen anything like this because Giannis was basically the equivalent of a six ten point guard, and it's like I I don't know what you do with that anymore. And like it's so funny that you know you've got that, and he is this this like out out of this world athletic talent with length and all, all that he can do. But the league, the defending league MVP and NBA champion is still a guy that looks like he is, might be the least athletic player in the NBA <laughs> in Nikola Jokic. Cause it's all technique with him. And he's, he's such a really good player off that. So it, it was fun. Uh, I did watch a lot more of that game than I thought I was going to going into it, but uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what, what, what he does. I just, by the end of this first season, we could be like watching just something really incredible night after night. So oh, you're, yeah, you're right. A lot of fun for him. Let's uh, let's get back to the uh, drive hotline presented by Skybar three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And Terry is up. Hey Terry. Hey Bill. Hey Justin. How y'all doing? Doing fine. Great. I want to ask you guys a question uh, about the quarterbacks at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it personally, I find it very humorous when people talk about the success of T.J. Finley and Bo Nix simply based on the fact that T.J. Finley had to transfer down a level and Bo Nix is out in the West Coast where they ain't played defense in about a decade. Yeah, somebody asked me this the other day about T.J. and I'm like, hey, like, great for T.J. Um, he's having a, he's having a good he's having a great season at Texas. He's State. almost two thousand yards passing. Yeah, there. they're almost bowl eligible at this point. They've got Troy this week. By yeah. The way. But they've played. They've beaten. They beat a Baylor team that's one of the worst defenses in the country. And then they've only played one other team with a winning record, I think, all year, and they lost to them. Um, and Troy will be the second one, I guess, uh, on top of that. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's a little different. It it, it is a little different for, for that. And for Bo, it's like, yeah, Bo. I think Bo has gotten better as a quarterback since he's been out. I agree. There. But it's but yes, it's very different when you play the play Pac-12 defenses compared to SEC defenses, night and day. Yeah, because I say that they don't play defense. The only team that does play defense. Utah and they beat USC Saturday night, right? And then like or like again, I think, I think the I think the only other team in the Pac-12 that plays really good defense is the team that Bo's on. And you know where they get their head coach head coach from? George's defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. So I mean, like that's that's kind of one of those things where you know he he gets to play a lot more. It's a lot softer competition. But I, I'm I'm very I'm very interested to see what both of those guys kind of do for the rest of the way. But yeah, Auburn. You know, that's the thing. I think they would love to have kept Bo if they could have. Um, and obviously, uh, no doubt. there's no doubt about that. TJ, on the other hand, great for a kid who 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 stepped down a level and 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 is and is playing well. But you know, a little different. A lot. Yeah, different. very much different. And, and like I said, the the defense answers. Lincoln, uh, the the coach at USC. I can't remember his name. Lincoln. Riley. What's his name? Yeah, Riley. Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Same same song, different conference. Oh yeah. Great offense, terrible defense. Doesn't same seem thing. to care about defense. At all. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. And I, and I don't know what it's going to take because, like, we have seen teams that run that kind of offense have much better defenses mm-hmm. before, um, and, but it just has not seemed to click with them at, at all, and he just he, he hasn't done it. Um, and I don't well, know Bill said he take. don't care about defense. No, it, it's very obvious. It's very obvious, and, like, it's it's going to limit you. You can't just go – like, even that, even that LSU team in 2019 that, that did all that they did on offense that year and won the national title – 
they still had some dudes on right. the defensive side of the ball, and, and obviously David Randall was was a big part of that. Right. Their defense wasn't near as bad as people thought. Okay, guys, the World Series starts tomorrow night. Give me your picks. I, it's hard for me to go against the Rangers right now. Yeah. Um, I like their – They're the best team. team. D-backs yeah. have been a great story. It's just Wonderful been a tremendous story. story, and they've got a ton of young players. Yeah, grinding it out. But I, I really but, do, but like, yeah, I do I, like Texas at, at this, at this point. Yeah, and, and I think – Coming back from three two down on the road to beat the Astros, I think mm-hmm. was it was a really really big sign for them. And the fact they did, you know, the Diamondbacks squeaked out uh, a couple of games against the Phillies and knocked them out, which is you know obviously what you do. Rangers Rangers emphatically knocked, yeah, knocked the Astros out out of there, and so I think that's that's a big thing there. Well, I won't say emphatically, Justin. I grew up an Astros fan. Uh, that was the <laughs> strangest baseball series I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, well I mean. You, uh, you don't see many series the, where the, the home team seven, never wins. Yeah, yeah the, ga- the game seven, just how, how lopsided it got on them, um, I thought. Okay. Was, yeah, but yeah. Uh, the Astros also, like, I'm I'm very interested to see where the Astros go next. Uh, Dusty Baker retiring, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they make the official announcement today. Where they go next is going to be fascinating because, I mean, that team's that team's going to be loaded. It just feels like you can pencil them into the ALCS at least every year now. Um, yeah, I kind of got a sense of a little bit of burnout of that team at the end of the series with Texas. Uh, they sure. were they've been in the World Series seven or years in a row. They won it last year. They were just I just I don't know. I got that sense. You think I am I wrong there? No, I, I mean I think there was. It, it's a team that looked like it could use a change a little bit, and maybe 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 you know who they bring in next after Dusty could could help kind of just change it up a little bit because they they are really really good. But, yeah, the Rangers were just playing hotter. They're right at the very sure. end, and, and that's what mattered the most. And, Bill, are you picking Texas, too? Yes. Yeah, I think okay. so. I mean, again, they, they've they got more guys that, that have been there. Oh, I mean, the, the D-backs have got a few veterans, but uh, I just think uh, Texas, this time maybe the home field advantage means something. Boy, they're going to be rough. The Diamondbacks don't speak ever going to be rough to deal with the next five years. I, As Justin said, a very young baseball team. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, Perfect. have a great weekend. Appreciate it, Terry. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break here. Yeah, I was just going to want one thing that just has kind of stuck out to me about the Rangers and different types of players, obviously, but it would be interesting if they win the World Series without DeGrom. It would remind me a yeah. ton of the Braves winning the World Series without Acuna. And it just shows you just, hey, getting hot at the right time mm-hmm. with the right with the right players. We'll, we'll get to that bottom of the hour break. Plenty of time for you to join in. Again, 334-321-1390 as we uh, continue with the final half hour of the Thursday Drive. Six, seven. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 25 minutes here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Got Drew at the controls. Dan is uh, uh, at a preseason basketball banquet down in Troy. He'll be back tomorrow. Speaking of basketball, though, Justin, um, you've you've seen Auburn practice quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to uh, the Saturday uh, scrimmage that was open to the public. Uh, just – your thoughts on things going? We talked to we talked to Bruce Pearl a couple of days ago, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and this is still a a team that's got a lot of got a lot of pieces and a lot of combinations that are possible. Yeah, they're still I think trying to figure out what's the best starting group, what's the best rotations. Like that, that'll be something they kind of 
kind of feel out at this point. But, yeah, the scrimmage the other day, you know, anybody who got to watch it, I think you saw what we've been kind of talking about here this this preseason is that Auburn is faster on offense. They are playing more of kind of the classic Bruce Pearl style on that end of the floor. Didn't shoot the ball as well from deep in the, the scrimmage that we saw on Saturday compared to Pro Day. They shot mm-hmm. really well, well in Pro Day. And then their first scrimmage of the of, of the of the campaign, they uh they did they did really good shooting the ball as well. But yeah, just uh, this team's playing a lot faster, more spread out. I know mean, it's just that half court kind of grinded out offense last year is what you saw from Auburn. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect all the time and on firing on all cylinders, but like this team just has more weapons they feel like they can go to 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 put shots up. I think you've seen Janai Broom get a lot more confident. One of the things that stood out to me from Janai on on Saturday, not only was the fact that he was you know more comfortable catching and shooting and playing you know face up taking some shots. But I did think when they tried to run the offense through through him uh, and get it to him down low, his passing was really good. Set up some guys for some assists, had some hockey assists on it as well. Did a really, really good job, I thought, there. But, yeah, this, this team defensively, they are going to have to gamble a little bit more, press a little more, trap a little bit more. It's not going to be the old days because, you know, rules have kind of mm-hmm. held, held, you, held you from doing that. But as Bruce has said, like, Five on five. This is not a lock them down five on five defense. You've gotten that the last couple of seasons from Auburn. Probably not as much this year. Who are the better defenders? Who are the, who, who are the better defenders on the team? I think if you, right I now? think the the one that jumps out of me is Denver Jones. Um, never ha, never had been known for his defense at FIU, but I mean, just every time we see him, he has done a great job on that end of the floor. He's got better size and length at that two guard spot mm-hmm. than what we've seen in a while uh, from Auburn there. I think Chaney Johnson's one of your best one of your best defenders. Um, just his length and athleticism. He's not the bulkiest dude in the world at the power forward spot, uh, but he can make up a lot for it because he, he. I think he plays a lot bigger than he is. And it, well, he's a guy that has grown into that. I mean, yes. you know, it's he, he's a really cool story. A guy that late you know, is five or six inches taller than he was when he was yeah. in high school. Uh, so I mean, he's a guy that is more athletic sometimes sure. than a guy that you'd see at his size. And then another guy that, that we've seen, you were just mentioning him here uh, during the break. I mean, uh, Chris Moore's Chris a guy Moore, yeah. that, that Bruce has gone to at times for defense, and we've seen him when he's been healthy yep. be able to uh, be able to help offensively as well. So I think a lot of people sort of uh, don't think about him. You know, he's mm-hmm. not one of the first guys that comes to mind. But uh, you were saying don't be surprised if, if you see – a little more of of Mr. Moore. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, I will say the thing about Chris Moore, he's playing the three, he's playing the wing again compared to playing power four. You know, mm-hmm. last year when you weren't getting much out of Yoan Traor, they moved. You know, Chris was kind of playing more four. He slimmed down. He look he's more of that natural three this year, um, and he's playing really well. Highest score in the scrimmage on Saturday. Got to the free throw line a lot. Got downhill. Got to the basket. Runs well in transition. He doesn't mind contact. No, not at all. And I think defensively, you can make an argument. The most established defender Auburn's got out there. Always going to give, you know, Bruce has talked a ton about, hey, this team needs to hustle and be there for 50-50 balls and go, like, have to take advantage of all that. Chris Moore is that dude. He does mm-hmm. that probably better than anybody else on this team. So, Chris, you know, and again, the other thing with Chris, we have seen in the past him get hot from deep at times. Oh, he's got an – yeah, he, he can – he can Corner uh, three is a good shots. spot for him. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And so, um, you got that. Janai, obviously, still a really good rim protector. Not Walker Kessler, but you'll never no. have. You'll probably never have another guy quite like him. But Janai doing doing well on, on, on defense this year. And I think the point guard spot, it's just 
that's your big question mark on defense. Not to saying that Aiden and Trey can't do it. They're just very inexperienced at it. And for point guards, as even especially as talented as those guys are on the offensive end of the floor, defense can be a really tough thing to pick up for when you are guarding a lot of times the other team's best player. And and in Aiden's case, it's going to be a guy that many times is bigger. Yeah, and and, and I think Trey's done a good job. You know, I think Trey, when you watch him play defense last season, did a lot of gambling, um, got steals, but maybe not not as strong in the half court as he probably could have been. I think he's gotten better at it now. We've talked about this on our podcast, and, and I know we've talked about it forward with other guys before. You've got to remember Trey Donaldson, elite basketball prospect and football prospect, was going to play mm-hmm. both sports here. This is the first full offseason where he has gotten to dedicate to just being a basketball player, and I think usually you see that kind of soar, those, that, that, that sophomore surge for those guys is big. The example I always point to, I always, I always give two from this on the football side, Seth Williams. Seth Williams played every sport you could uh, at Paul Bryant. That second year he made a big jump in what his game was because he got to really focus on football. And then Noah Ibanagani is the greatest example. That oh, dude sure. did everything in high school. He makes that switch position switch as well and then boom ends up being an nfl player out of it uh at corner so you could probably see some some of that with, with trey um aiden shot so well in that scrimmage we talked about it as the team didn't do it i don't think he missed a three i think he's five wow. of five uh, in there great range uh they will run sets and they will run stuff to get him to get him looks and uh and he knocks him down he's got phenomenal he, range he, he worried me the first time i saw him because he shoots a little lower shoots lower yeah, it shoots it's good, from it's good form from, from like the the chin almost it, instead of good you know, form but it's uh i don't want to i don't want to be too uh i don't want to be mean to people who are I mean, short. he makes them i don't want to be mean to people who are shorter me he shoots like a short guy it did like when you're when you're growing up you're not right. as big you're feeling you like push. you're having you're having to put you know you're not shooting from it's as tough high to get the ball up over yeah. and let it go you're not shooting from it from as high um but i mean he hits him yeah so so and i'll tell you if you haven't got a chance to see him yet he didn't shoot the ball particular. He didn't shoot a ton in the scrimmage, but I do think he's going to end up being one of your one of your best players this year. If you haven't watched Denver Jones shoot yet, watch him. He puts oh. on a clinic with his form. It's the it's some from, of the purest from wherever. Form. Yeah. I mean, from outside the arc, from mid range, super I repeatable. Mean, just, it is. It's like that you're watching a replay every yep. time he shoots. Lands in the same spot. You know, follow follow through the same spot. Ball spins the same way every time. He's just he's a really really good. Uh, shooter but yeah this team is going to be this team's going to take a while to gel I think because there are so many new pieces that are going to be key contributors but I think they're going to have potential to be a lot more fun on offense I think their defense even if they're not as great on defense as we've seen Bruce's team's been the last couple years I do think the length and the athleticism and the speed that they've added this year that could help their offense more because they're going to get some opportunities to get out and run and 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 you know force steals, get in passing lanes, run the floor that way. They do. They've done a much better job of running the floor here in the preseason. And uh, man, when they play Baylor in a couple of weeks, that's that's about as good of a test as you can get game oh, one. Yeah. And uh, it's rare for Auburn to start with a team like this. Um, and they're not going to be expected to win that game. Not going to be projected to win, but they are going to get a great litmus test of hey, here's where we are. And then you get some games to kind of kind of build up from there. Um, you come back and play Southeastern and then go to Brooklyn. Like it's a fun non-conference schedule that is going to really get the, get these guys prepared for, for, for the SEC, for SEC play. And I'll say, I mean, I don't know what Auburn's going to do this year in non-conference, but I'll just go ahead and say this Auburn, Auburn fans. We've seen Arkansas the last couple of years. We've seen a couple A&M was a good example of this last year as well. 
figured a lot out in non-con mm-hmm. and then got going in the, yeah, in the regular season. Yeah, don't be, don't be, don't give up if if there's a, yeah. a bump or two in the road. And they've early got on. some tough teams they yeah. got to play. Um, you know, they've got got USC is going to be one of the most talented teams in the country. Uh, period. Um, we did. We just talked about Baylor. A lot of those mid-major and small conference teams they play are teams that are going to give them a lot. And it's speaking of uh, playing um, a really good team and getting a really good test, Sunday Auburn is doing their behind-closed-door scrimmage against Furman. Right. And if you know anything about Furman, a few years ago uh, during the – I think it was the Isaac Okoro year, um, Auburn had to, had to go to overtime to beat Furman. Uh, and secondly – uh, Furman is well known, and it's probably part of the reason why Bruce is a big reason why Bruce had had them play in this scrimmage against him. Furman, not the most athletic team you're ever going to find, not the most talented team you're ever going to find. They run incredible stuff on offense, and they always have really efficient offense year in and year out uh, coming out of the SoCon, and it's because they run awesome stuff. And so they're going. Auburn's going to get really, really tested in this scrimmage on Sunday. It's a great um, test for the defense. Absolutely. It's going to be a wonderful test for the defense. You'll be more athletic than them. You'll be bigger than them. But they 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 have it down to a science over there. Very very similar to me. Not the same type of style, but it's it's the same way people talk about Vanderbilt in the SEC because of Jerry Stackhouse. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be more talented than you, but they're going to know what they're doing and get to their spots really well. And Furman's a great example of that as well. And Auburn's got some teams that are going to play in in uh, non-con that are like that. UNC Asheville is a great example of that. Um, I think they play. They play Penn again this year. Um, they, they play they play an Ivy League team that does definitely does the same thing. So um, it'll be it'll be really good. They're going to learn who they are really quickly. But like you said, I think that's a great point. Like hang in there if they take some L's here in the in the on conference play because I think they're going to be better prepared for for the grind. And we say it every year, but the SEC looks even tougher this year than, than oh than yeah it did you're, the year you're, you're absolutely not kidding yeah. So they've got that Sunday and then Wednesday the uh, the exhibition. I guess AUM before they they head out south. Be a great be a great game. You know, you're not opening the season at home, so it'd be a good opportunity if you're in the area. There's some standing room team. tickets. There's still some tickets. Um, I, and and I think there might be a couple for Southeastern left. That's a, there that, are there are there are only, only a handful of games that they're standing and, room. And Southeastern Louisiana is going to be one that I think if you're here, take advantage of that one because. A lot of folks are going to be going to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of beat writers are going to be in Arkansas uh, instead of at that one. So um, that, that'll that be one of those times because once they start getting rolling and they bring in USC and they bring in Virginia Virginia Tech and all those, like it's it's, it's going to be really, really tough to, to, to get a ticket for them. Oh, yeah, no, no question. Well, that, that's great, though, man. It's great to be saying that. All right, we will get to our final break of the afternoon. Still time for you to join in if you'd like. 334-321-1390. As we wind it down here on the Thursday Drive. 